Where's well, if you, if you play the sound of music, you can hear um, the Andrews screaming. Wait, where's Ashley? She has a chicken and she's in London. Where are you? My back is Does he speak proper music? No. But my grandmother does. Okay. It was lost in everybody. Okay, so um, first of all, I'm going to say for, for a minute with Nalini's permission why I'm here, because it Please. might be interesting to everybody. Yes. Um, so this, this young woman is in trouble because she's the reason why I'm not currently at home right now. This is Tally Goldberg, who is responsible for the um, opening, please God, um, of a four-month seminary program in the job. But it's not a seminary program. It's a, it's a learning, what is a learning program? I don't know how you describe it. It's a program, it's, it's sort of like a dual plus program, meaning it's a, it's a program in which you can come to Israel and if you know that you want... Um, I don't know, to, to explore like Judaism, I guess, um, without necessarily the assumption that you want in in a committed way forever, um, then you can come and we will explore with you and we will teach you lots of skills about um, how to navigate life and how to navigate you know, married life and how to navigate religious life and how to make decisions and how to have boundaries and how to rebuild your self-esteem and how to do all those sorts of things. It's really like a little a, a place to sort of retreat to to, to get a lot of the skills that um, that I find that we don't really get in school, um, which is a pet peeve of mine. Pet peeve of mine, the people <laughs> learn more about geography, history, and math in school than they do about how to have um, relationships, meaning, and happiness. Um, I, I think that's that's wrong with the syllabus. So um, so we're going to give you like a four-month crash course in people skills. Um, mm -hmm. So if anybody's interested, um, at some point in time, they should get in touch with us, um, and hopefully we'll be starting in August. Will be pretty well. Okay. Where is this? Um, in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. What's it called? It's called Jew Essence. Get it? Do you have to go Jew on Jew Essence? Do you have to go on Jewel first? No. No. You don't have to go on Jewel first. Okay. I'm really wobbling around. Maybe I'll change my chair. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to go stop. Hold on. Sorry. Okay. Is someone recording? Yes. yes. Yeah. All right. So, um, so I heard that Mrs. Ivy. Kalazan. Okay. Um, she was um, teaching on free will, um, so I thought I would I would perhaps um, piggyback off what she started with free will. Um, she was speaking a lot of uh, material from Rabbi Desla, which is a amazing amazing stuff to get things very clear. Um, but I wanted to take it in a little bit of a different direction. Um, I wanted to take it. I'll take. I'll explain the direction I want to take in. So when when you talk about free will. What part? What part of you are you making choices on? Your body. Your body. Exactly. Your actions. Okay. Meaning, do I eat this? Do I not eat this? Do I listen? Do I not listen? Do I um, keep Shabbat? Do I not keep Shabbat? Do I hit him? Do I not hit him? Okay. But then what's interesting is that the actions that you're looking at, your free will, you, you know, you're trying to figure out, really are at the end of quite a, a long process. Okay. What's the process that leads you to the action? I remember this. Mm -hmm. Don't you? Okay. <laughs> what's, what the, what's the process that leads you to the action? The emotion, then the thought, then the action. <laughs> but at least you were listening. That's good. Uh -huh. You remember. That's From like two good. years yeah, ago. Yeah, very good. I think I didn't decide around for a That's what, That's right. When you, when you come to an action, what generally doesn't happen is I generally don't find myself standing next to somebody and then smack them in the face. You know, oh, I'm terribly sorry, I didn't use my free will. Okay? That, that doesn't happen. The, the action is generally not the first thing. What happens first? 
you get mad. Feel something. Yeah, that's right. You know, you say something. Ir- we're, we're best friends. Yeah. You say something. What's okay. <laughs> You say something irritating to me. Okay, I sit on it. I start to like boil a little bit. I'm like blah, blah, blah. And then, and by the time what I have misconstrued Rebecca saying, because obviously Rebecca didn't mean to say anything mean, I just, I just, you know, misconstrued it that way because I'm in a mindset for whatever reason I'm in. And then I get mad and then I'm boom, finally, you know, and then you can come in and say, oh, nukudah habakhira. If only you didn't have to punch her. You could have chosen not to punch her, and that's true, okay? And if I walk around punching every time I feel like punching somebody, um, hopefully at some point in my life, sooner rather than later, I'll get put into prison if I do too much damage, okay? There is a, I, I always tell this story because I still can't get over it, even though it happened about five years ago, but um, I, 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 I was a witness to a woman um, disgracing the human, the, the female race. This is what happened. And there was a discussion, and there were men that were so embarrassing, okay? And they were having a whole discussion, and somebody was sort of like, you know, saying, you know, I'm really not sure that, that what you feel was really, you know, entirely accurate. And she said the following things. Now, I know we all feel this, but it is an embarrassment to the female race to say this publicly in front of men. And this is what she said. She said, if I feel it, it's a fact. <laughs> I'm like, you can't tell people you believe that. Like, that's a secret. <laughs> you know? and, and, the, and the man, by the way, happened to be my husband, so it was okay. You know, it was like, she said that. <laughs> she actually said that. And I said to him, what she means is, the fact is that she felt it. And she's like, well, no. If I feel it, it's about, you know, that feeling like, it doesn't matter if it's totally irrational, I felt it, so it's real, you know, so... Now that I know what you really did, I shouldn't be annoyed anymore, but I am, because I'm irrational. <laughs> That's all different. So, okay, so um, if I feel it, it's a fact. Okay. Meaning, there comes a point in, in my emotions where even if I feel something really strongly and I'm really annoyed at you and it's really irritating what you said and, and that subjective, I generally can't just hit you because there are standards in society. Okay? Now, I'll give you an example of where this will affect you even Jewishly. If you live in a society where Jewishly it is absolutely not okay to break a particular rule, right? You're living in an environment where everybody keeps kosher and it's undisputed. You're going to have a very hard time even connecting to your free will um, and, you know, go buy yourself a pork sandwich because it... Because you kind of don't really have free will because it's not, it's not acceptable. And by the way, vice versa. You'll notice, even in, in religious societies, a particular rule that everyone seems to have ignored, uh, you know, the fact that you're not allowed to do that, okay? Um, in, in our generation, one of the rules that gets ignored sometimes is Lashon Hara, right? So, <laughs> I only heard a funny story. I have, I have a very obnoxious friend who... <laughs> is it me? No. <laughs> <laughs> who was at a Shabbat table. <clears throat> and... Um, they were getting very upset about what the rabbi had said in shul, and, and there was like a bit of a discussion and commentary about what the rabbi had said. And so my obnoxious friend said, oh, I know what this is! I learned about this! This is Lashon Hara! <laughs> <laughs> so the table goes really quiet. <laughs> As you all could guessed, you know, well done, you spotted that correctly. He goes, I learned this week that speaking Lashon Hara is worse than eating pig. Do you guys eat pig too? <laughs> he wasn't invited back. <laughs> and correctly said. However, it's this funny thing. Like, how can you speak Russian Hara? You can only speak it if it becomes so socially acceptable to do so that you don't really feel your free will either. Meaning, because you don't really mind that because people do it, and if they do it, then you do it, then it's okay. Then everybody does it. 
then if the action is considered acceptable, then I'll do it. If the action is considered unacceptable, then I won't do it. There, there are certain social norms also that, that play into this whole free will thing. But what tends to happen is that free will ends up being determined for about 90% of things in the actions that we do. Okay, and then there's the, is it between me and God, between me and the people? But the actions is where our free will is determined. And here's the question. <coughs> is it enough to apply your free will just to your actions? No. Debate. <laughs> yes, no? Anybody wants to advocate for you as well? It should apply to thoughts as well, right? I mean, that's, I think, where it starts. Well, I think, well, I think that you can, for example, okay, like, you could have a really bad thought that you want to, like, try something. Like, you might want to try drugs or whatever. <laughs> but that doesn't mean, but that doesn't mean that you do it necessarily. So you do execute it in your action, but you consciously think that you shouldn't do it. So essentially, you're having the thought not to do it, and you're executing that thought through your actions to not do something bad, even though you may have had that thought. So then, like, so, so my free will is in my thinking, or is it my action? You're having a thought, but ultimately... It's not the thought that matters, it's the action that matters. Yeah. Right? Not you your emotions to, or your you thoughts. Have, but you have to consciously think about your sure. actions. So sure, that's what we're saying. There, there is a process. The process is, I had a thought, and then <coughs> I felt something about that thought, and then there's an act, okay? So I'm like, hmm, cool, drug sounds cool, okay? And then I'm like, yeah, I had a really stressful day, that's a good idea. And then... And then you're just like, maybe... maybe so at which point in that later. process do, do I need to apply my free will? Your thoughts also. Oh. Do I? Yeah. If I if I was think if I was thinking drugs but I didn't do it, did I do well or badly? You did well. Sure, well. because well. no one knows what you're thinking. Only you do. That's but right. And on the contrary, more than that, if I couldn't care less about drugs, then I didn't get no credit for not doing it. So of course, of course, of course, you know, it, it's the action that counts in 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 ninety percent of what we do. Meaning, mm -hmm. I really wanted to say how much I hate you, but I control myself. I get much more credit than if you didn't have any bad in, you know inclination to do anything wrong. So we get trained that our free will belongs only really in the realm of our action, bar a couple of, if you, let's say if you're, if you're looking from Jewish perspectives, a couple of thoughts that Judaism says you're not really allowed to go into. You're not allowed to go into idolatrous thinking, you're not allowed to fantasize about idolatry or, or certain uh, lewd thoughts if you're a man. Okay, fine. So we, we basically walk around like this. Um, whatever's going on in my mind doesn't really matter, so long as I can control myself on the act. Right? Yes. And that's okay. Because then you have you are socially acceptable standard. I want to kill you, that's fine. Just don't. <laughs> okay? Once I do, I'm in trouble. <laughs> but I'm allowed to want as much as I want. On the contrary, if I want to and I don't, now I'm a tzaddik. You didn't even want it. You're not a tzaddik. I wanted to. I'm a big tzaddik. Okay? <laughs> so, so that's how, how we, how we, how we uh, execute our free will. And that's true. And the truth is that God doesn't bother us for more than that. What I wanted to do is I wanted to take the concept of free will, and not because of any religious demands over here, but just to empower us and to give us a little bit more, um, I think the right word is power, a little bit more power in our own lives. I want to see what happens when you start using free will a little bit in the realms of your thinking. Okay? Now, what I'm not going to tell you is you shouldn't even want to kill someone or you shouldn't want to do drugs. Because... Um, you're not responsible for whether you do or whether you don't. You're only responsible for the actions that happen. So that's where free will really applies. However, there's plenty of places in our life where the thoughts that come into our mind um, really bother us. What do you mean? You tell me. 
Tell, tell me where you had the thought that really bothered you. Um, okay, we'll get, we're gonna, we're gonna trigger you. Go on. At work, what am I half like? Should I be progressing? Should I be doing more? Should I be doing less? Like, just things that make you anxious or in your romantic life. Are you with the right man? Are you? That's right. So what you so far you're saying guilt, doubt. I'm yeah. hearing guilt and doubt. Okay, good. All thoughts, yes. Anger. Great. Anger, yes. Anybody else? Embarrassment. Embarrassment, right? Sadness. Sadness. Regret. 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 Is it only the depressing feelings? Which <laughs> are where they trouble you? Which are the oh, okay. trouble you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Impulses. Impulses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What else? You just think back half an hour. <laughs> Having more chocolate than you should. No, that's a happy guilt. <laughs> guilt. That's right. Guilt. Social pressure. That's right. Okay, good. I mean, if we made a list, um, and and we didn't have a whiteboard, so we'd have to write on the walls. You don't know. <laughs> How many walls would we cover? Do you think? This whole Even city. with small writing, yeah, you would cover the whole city. In fact. When you're walking around, oh, you, you kind of sense a thousand, a thousand thoughts. Do you know what I mean? You have that person looking at that, at that advert thinking, I wish I was that thin, and somebody think, looking across the street, and, you know, wolf whistling, and somebody else thinking, like, why are you looking that way? And somebody else is fearful, and somebody else is in a rush. Somebody's worried about being late. It's, it's just thousands of thoughts that are just like, <laughs> the radio. It's I mean, really overstimulating, especially in the city. It like, is. Everywhere. It's very stimulating, and you can't even hear them, and they're still overstimulating, because you just like, you're just, they're just all over the place. Thank you. Thank God thoughts in our heads remain quiet. Can you imagine if they popped out without our control? That would be like, it would be like seeing germs. Oh, she's got a cold. Like, you know, it would be really uh, dreadful. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful, blessed thing that, um, well, that my thoughts stay in my head and you can't hear them. As a kid, I remember watching, I think it was Thunderbirds or something, and there was this thoughts machine that you could read other people's thoughts. And I, and I was like so nervous that they would invent that. I was still <laughs> That's what Mel Gibson, um, Gibson movie is. What Women Want, I think. Yeah. That's a Mel Gibson oh. movie. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I'll, I'll see this on the plane on the way home. <laughs> okay. So, um, so what would happen if we could apply free will? Again, not because it's a, it's a um, Jewishly required concept. But because free will is there to empower us, okay? So what would happen if we could use our free will in our thinking? What would happen? If you were able to say, don't like that thought, nah, nah, switch it off. Mustn't kill, mustn't stress, mustn't get anxious, you know, thou shalt not You can train worry. yourself to do certain things like that. Okay. 100%. Yeah, that's what we're going to do tonight. You're policing and filtering yourself. Yeah. And okay. judging. That's right. So I want to talk a little bit about, I want to sort of share some, some ideas about how thinking works so that you can, you can turn on this ability to use free will in your thinking too. Okay? Because again, you may be a wonderful person who's living with outrageously um, harmful, painful, aggressive, sexual, deviant, uh, you know, inappropriate, unhappy, anxious thoughts, and you're living at a point of total function because you keep it all inside your head and in your emotions, but you don't kill anybody. Okay, that's what, I mean, well done, it's good, really, you'll get points for it, but you may not necessarily be a, a happier own empowered person. So, so what's, how does it go with thinking? How does thinking work? And, and all I'm gonna to do tonight is very simple. I'm gonna teach you a couple of principles on, on how thinking works so that you can understand them and apply them in your own lives. And it's probably, probably no more than two or three little principles, okay? So first principle goes like this. <clears throat> okay. How many thoughts have we had today? Uncountable. Mm -hmm. 
well, tons of them. You couldn't, you couldn't recall them, you couldn't count them, okay? I, um, you know, millions of them, probably millions of them. Where are they all? Sorry. Where are they all? In the past. Where are they? In the past. Where, but where? Where In are my they? Head. Yeah, probably this. We can dig them out of your subconscious. In our diary. In your diary, okay. But what's the process, okay? Thought comes into your head. Ooh, I like, that's a nice skirt. Okay. Where does the thought, what happens to the thought? It depends. Okay, good. Generally, what happens? What happens to the millions that you had already? Yeah, it comes in, you read it, as it were, and it flies out again. Right? Just get in and out. Well, that's nice. Oh, okay. That's all Um, any thoughts don't do that? Are there any thoughts that don't pass? That's the minority. Okay, well, tell me about the thoughts that don't pass. Maybe like probably feelings of like loss, like if you lose somebody. Good. Okay. Depressive thoughts. Depressive thoughts. Yeah. Some people it's their stress thoughts, some people it's their worried thoughts, you know, some people it's a particular guilt thought, whatever it is, okay? What is different about the thoughts that don't, that stay, the ones that go? Because you've told me that millions of them pass, okay? And we're saying some of them stay. What's the difference between the ones that stay and the ones that don't stay? The impact that they have on us. As in, they broke emotion, that's good. Also, you may feel like you can't, you don't, you're not in control. I mean, not that you're not in control of the thought, you're not in control of whatever it is that you think may or may not happen. Okay, very good. So, so let's, let's go through the principles. Principle number one, and this is a really important one, okay? You are not responsible for the thoughts that pop into your mind. In fact, this is such an important Jewish principle that um, Rav Matis Yahu Solomon says, who's a big sort of psychological astute rabbi, says that um, not only do you have to know that, but knowing that is... is, is an underpinning of your ability to remain sane. <laughs> what does that mean? That means that you know sometimes you have a thought and you think, I'm really happy no one could read my mind just now because that was really not, not okay. Like even I'm surprised by that one, you know, the same thoughts, okay? <laughs> I'm supposed to be like a decent woman. What was that one, okay? <laughs> those thoughts you're not responsible for. If you are responsible for those thoughts, you understand that you should either be put in, I don't know, prison or medicated. Right? Meaning, I'm up, I'm down, I'm this, I'm that, I'm having weight, that's crazy. If really I'm responsible, that, that's me. That, that's me. Then I'm, cra I'm probably crazy. Right? Yeah. But then, like, where do your thoughts come from? Like, how? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They just come in, they come out. Nothing, they're almost nothing to do with you. They can be triggered by uh, your environment. They, but they, they, it's like that. It's like it comes from outside of you and it comes into you. An original thought is like that. When you're in the middle of a conversation with somebody and they're sad and you know what to say, how do you know? Where did that come from? It comes from somewhere. It comes from somewhere. Your experience of it is that it sort of flew into your head, and then its nature is to fly out of your head. So thoughts are like external? To some degree. To some degree, yeah. yeah. Okay? They are external. They're being produced by something, and then they pop into your mind. And here's the principle number one. The nature of a thought by its own volition is to pass. That's why you had so many today. They'll come and they'll go, they'll come and they'll go, they'll come and they'll go. Principle number two, we tend to think that there are certain thoughts that hold on to us. But I just told you that the nature of thought is to pass. So what's happening to the thoughts that stick? 
They're affecting us for sure. But why doesn't that one pass? Because we hold on to them. Now it feels like it's holding on to me. But really I'm holding on to it. How do you hold on to a thought? You put emotion in it. Very, very good. You engage in it. You know, the, you know there's like... What do you, what do you the tea bags? Those things that, those bubbles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So I have these really cool bubbles at home. Usually, if you touch a bubble, it pops. These ones, if you touch them, like, they can, like, form. They don't form into, like, a tennis ball, but they form a bit, and then you can play them. They get stronger. If I hold on to a thought, it strengthens. Okay? She's pretty. Okay, now watch this one. She's pretty. She's not, it's not that she's pretty, is it? She's, like, really thin. I wish I was that thin. I really need to stop eating. Okay, what am I doing? Okay, I'm, I'm holding on to it. Generally by engaging in it, by the way. Okay, generally by engaging in it. Once I engage in it, it now forms. And once it starts to form, that's when the emotion starts to happen. Now I start feeling um, anxious that I'm overweight, worried that I eat too much. Okay, all that happened was a thought popped into my head. She's pretty. And before you know it, you know, I'm like, you know, on a diet. Like, what happened? This is terrible. Okay. <laughs> That, that's what happens. It comes in and I hold on to it. It doesn't hold on to me. All it is is a thought. Is a thought. It passes. That's what they all do. I was in a taxi. I tell this story because it's a stupid story. But I was in a taxi the other day. Um, and um, I'm quite old again now. And as I was driving, you know, I started to get like very anxious. Why? Because, you know, I noticed that the taxi driver doesn't seem to be speaking Hebrew, he seems to be speaking a super guttural Hebrew, Hebrew that I can't understand, otherwise known as Arabic, you know, and I noticed mm -hmm. that the name of the picture doesn't quite fit him, and he's gone left instead of right, and I'm oh, like, no. okay, he's going to kill me, that's all, he's like, he has stolen a taxi driver, a, a taxi from a nice Israeli guy, who's dead, and now it's my turn, and, and he's taking me into some play, and, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I bet it wasn't funny, it was like getting really like, I'm just a nervous, and I'm, my breathing's changing, I'm sweaty, right, and then my phone goes, okay, so, I'm like, pick up my phone. Oh, no, I don't know you're into that. Whole 10 minutes conversation. Okay, good. Put the phone down. I'm like, where was I? Oh, that's right. I was about to get killed. <laughs> so, what was going on? I, I was away from that thinking, which was get, getting me all, all anxious because I was good, because I was distracted by it. Okay? And then I put my... And, and I remember thinking, well, if I wasn't getting killed while I was on the phone, maybe I shouldn't get killed now. And, and if I get killed, I get... And probably... I probably am just imagining this, and guess by the time I by the time I convinced myself that that I was probably just me and my thinking rather than him and his intentions, I was him. Okay, um, and I, you know I, I don't know what happened to the dead taxi driver, but I was. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a really good thing. You know. Okay, so um, again, it's not it's not me that it's not the thought that's holding me. The, the thought doesn't have that power. It's it's me that's holding on to the thought. And so I want to talk about how you don't hold on to the thought. Okay. Because that's the question now. <laughs> but, but what if I can't, can't uh, ignore this thought? Okay. So um, how many people have not seen a beautiful mind? Shame on you. Okay. I'm about to ruin the ending. Okay. Um, I won't ruin the ending. But I will tell you that there is an incredibly um, astute... What? Yes, yes, I have seen it. You have seen it. Okay, Russell Crowe. There is an incredib incredible astute um, angle on the film, which is as follows. The film's about a schizophrenic, okay? And um, it, it's very well designed because you kind of get pulled into being, believing his, his schizophrenia. And as he realizes he's schizophrenic, so do you. It's all very well done. But there, is, there comes a point where this man starts to heal, okay? Now, he's having schizophrenic, schizophrenic thoughts. And there comes a point in his healing. And what I appreciated about the film myself, 
um, because I've had what to do with people um, who suffer from schizophrenia. Like we tend to like, as kids, we're like, oh, they're just crazy, but they're actually real people who've had an illness. It's, like, yeah. <laughs> it's not so simple, right? Um, so as we get older, we realize this is a real issue, and it's a painful issue for, for really wonderful people who suffer. I, I appreciated that his healing in the movie is not that the schizophrenia goes away. That's not his healing. The healing is his ability to distinguish between that which is a real thought and that which is a schizophrenic thought, and the choices that he makes to not give power to the schizophrenic thoughts. As soon as he's aware of the difference between reality and, um, and, and illusion, he begins his healing process. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he takes control to make choices to not go with the illusory thoughts, then he takes responsibility for his thinking. And it's a battle he will always battle. It's a battle he, was always, he will always battle. And that's okay, because we're allowed to battle our battles. Mm -hmm. But he's able to say, I don't have to get pulled into this one. I'm allowed to let this one go, okay? We have a tremendous compulsion. Um, well, I don't have a compulsion to finish things when it comes to, um, I don't know, cleaning up, let's say. No, but uh, we have a, a certain compulsion to finish things. I'll tell you what I mean by that. If you're in the movie, you know, and you've paid, okay, you tend to stay through it, even if it's a really bad movie. It takes, you know, do you know how much, it takes such a tremendous amount of, like, courage to just stand up and leave. I'm like, but I paid. <laughs> and it's like, you know, or you're, you're eating something which doesn't taste great, but it's not really bad, but it's not so good. Like, you've got to finish it because, because it's yours. There's a, there's a sort of, we have this compulsion to see something through, okay? Um, I'll tell you a, a personal story um, from, from some, before I, I really had articulated uh, and, and learned how to articulate the concepts I'm sharing with you, which are not um, original concepts. Um, they're, they're all from um, the three principles in eight, in eight health um, um, sort of method of thinking. But I was in a, uh, I was in the middle of an argument with my husband. Okay, um, so profession. Since then, we don't really argue. But back in the day, we were practicing not arguing. And uh, okay, um, so we were we were in an argument, and um, I think I had it was just very lucky because I read this whole beautiful book about when people say things that they don't really mean and how you have to deal with them. And I had said something, and then. He had said something, and therefore I went and said something, and then he said, You don't even know what he said. Okay? <laughs> and as this, I, I don't remember the words, but I remember the image. And the image in my mind was like, He just shot this dart. Like, that wasn't nice. Like, he, that wasn't nice. And I, and I saw the dart coming, and I remember thinking, Wait a minute, he shot the dart, but I don't need to receive the dart. Because he didn't mean to shoot that dart, so why would I want to receive that dart? Okay, and this whole conversation is going on like like a little bit in surreal time, and I sort of like yeah, real matrix. And I sort of like in my head moved to the side and I let the dart go. And really, what should have happened is I should have then responded something even meaner about his mom. I'm kidding, right? Because because it's my turn now. But I knew that he didn't really mean to shoot that dart. And I didn't have to accept the dart or retaliate. And I said, stop. I know you didn't mean that. I'm about to say something I don't mean. Let's stop for two minutes. I was very impressed. It was very, it was very adult of me. <laughs> I said, let's stop for two minutes because neither of us are saying things that we mean right now. Now, really, there was a certain compulsion to just kept like, you fuel me, I fuel you. But I didn't really want to carry on because it was just really un un unenjoyable. So I stopped, and he said, you're right, 
and he backed off and he called down and I called down and we said, okay, two sentences ago, what were we saying? Let's pick up from there. We had a constructive conversation. And my husband was very, very nice because he said, I really want to thank you. I want to thank you for stopping that conversation. And also recognizing that I really didn't mean that I was just triggered. I'm like, yeah, I knew that. Okay, that was good. Now, as a woman, really what I should have done, okay, is I should have totally milked that to my advantage. And like, you know, pretended that I was doing But deep down, I knew that this wasn't, this didn't need to go any further because it wasn't taking me to any good places. Except for perhaps like a massive, you know, bouquet of flowers and some chocolate. But besides that, it wasn't really like helpful. Okay? So the, the truth is that happens a little bit in your own mind. I, a thought comes to my head, another the next one, and before I know it, I'm in this place of built up emotion. Okay. I don't have to take it there just because this thought that doesn't belong to me came my way. I don't have to accept this thought. On the contrary, do you know where this thought is happening, by the way? It's happening in a very, very precious and private place. It's called my mind. If I do not want that thought in it, I should not really open my mind up to that thought. So when that thought comes my way, it doesn't matter that I haven't finished it. Because you know if you finish it, you're going to end up miserable. And at some point, it's vital to recognize that, hold on, this thought isn't an independent, it isn't an independent entity that I own. It's, it's something that's there that's going to pass anyway. It doesn't, it doesn't have power. I'm fueling it by engaging in this conversation. I'm fueling it by adding the sentences and adding the thought. And what I don't have to, I can say, I beg your pardon, terribly sorry, wrong address, you're going to take me somewhere very miserable if I invest in you, can you please move on? Can you please move on? And the thought can't do anything else, because the, pa- the nature of the thought is the past. It's only you empowering the thought that makes it stay. Okay? And I want you to imagine that. I want you to imagine, here comes this thought, oh my gosh, you're so thin, okay, let's say, or, you know, wow, he didn't call me back. Or whatever your thought is, okay? Or, you know, my boss hates me. It doesn't matter what the thought is. It's just the thought that's going to go <coughs> unless you engage in it. And then you start to engage in it, and you really, you can feel where the emotions are going. They're taking you to that place of anxiety, stress, worry, fear, anger. You know where it's taking you. <coughs> you can say, conversation over. And the thought will pass, because that's what it does. Yes? What if you have to figure it out? Excellent. Okay. Now, what happens when that thought passes? Yes. Another one will come. It won't be the identical thought. It'll be another one. And, and now, now I want you to. Try, I want everybody to just like pick, pick a, pick a thought that bothered you today. Okay. Can you do that? Pick a thought that bothered you. Now, you probably had a conversation with a thought to the point that you got into into that place. Okay. But pick the original thought. Okay. Relive it, and this time say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you're not, you're not welcome, and let the thought pass. You'll notice that it's not closed. A new thought is going to come. Now, can you, can you try and imagine what the next thought would be? Imagine it. Same. Similar, but no, different. Stem from it, kind of. Similar, but, ah, oh, yes. Ah, oh, yes. About... 2% more productive. Do you be less productive? No. Okay. No, it's going to be more productive. Because you've already, you've already used your free will to let go of the bad thought, so the next thought's going to be better already. This thought, oh, she's so thin, okay. Now it's going to be like, she's too thin. Right? She's too thin. Okay? She's too thin, but I should be too thin too. Okay? That's the thing, right? 
You let it go of that one because you know where that one's going to take you. In comes the next door. What's going to be the next door? I heard that burger. <laughs> As you let them go, they reward you by going slightly up in quality. Okay? So let's say you had an argument with your friend. Alright? And in your head, it's like, you know, I feel so bad, she must hate me, that there's all these conversations, you're feeling lonely and isolated in the background. Okay? And then you say to yourself, this conversation is going to Okay? There is a progress. The progress grows from, she, she must hate me, to, I can't believe I did that, to, you know, it's okay that we make mistakes in a relationship, to, you know, I really need to take responsibility, to, maybe I have to be a little, like, less harsh on myself, to, I want to call her, and the, 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 the quality of the thought will, will keep rising the more you let evil thoughts go. How do you know what a good thought is? This is the title of the class, right? What to hold on to. How do you, the point is not to become callous and to start ignoring everything. It's to let go of the things that will. What, what is the common theme between the thoughts that we shouldn't be holding on to? There's one common theme. We can't control... No, they, we, no that's not the question. I'm sorry, I didn't ask the question. Right. What is the common theme between the, the thoughts which we ought to be letting go of? That's right. It's not the thoughts themselves. It's the emotional place that that thought takes me to. Now, if I let go of the thought, I have a let go of the whole topic, and my friend's still crying, I have to deal with this. But when I start with, like, I'm such a bad friend, I never have any friends, I always sabotage, when I get, I get a place of misery where I repeat things, and I'm horrible, and I don't the rest of it. As soon as the, the, the new thoughts come in, it's still about what happened, because I have to deal with the situation. But as these new thoughts come in, by the time they get to that place of, I made a mistake, I can forgive myself, but I really need to call and make sure she's okay. Okay. Suddenly, I'm in a face of responsibility, generosity, forgiveness. Um, I, I'm in a higher place. The, the way that I choose which thoughts to hold on to is not based on interpreting the thoughts. It's based on, on a sense of, is this a thought that's taking me to, to an emotional place that I want to be in, or is it taking me to an emotional place that I shouldn't be in? The, th the thoughts will continue, but they're going to rise. When you, hit, when you hit thinking that emotion takes you to a place that you know is good for you, that's when you can settle on the thinking. Any other um, um, questions? Or like when you keep having the same thought over and over again, yeah. does that mean that you haven't really like dismissed it? Like that you haven't said like you're not that this thought isn't like welcome here? Because like yeah, I feel like be. I have like yeah. thoughts that like you know the same thought over and over again, and it's like a negative. Right. I, I think what happens is um, we are we are so sh we're so not taught that we can let go of thoughts that we basically give um, thoughts free reign. So, I, I, you never heard of the idea of like leaving a thought in the middle, of, like just not letting it into your mind because it's not invited. Like it, if it's there, you think it out. So the more you think it out, the more you think it out, okay? If you, if you find yourself, um, you know, sort of not getting, in, like actively not getting involved in thinking that you don't want to be in, you, you'll find that you'll suddenly create new thinking until you, get, until you get into the habit of navigating these thoughts that are taking you to places that you don't want to be in. It, again, this is stage one of a very long conversation, but this is stage one, okay? And it's a, it's a weird thing to do. It's a weird thing to, to, to have a thought, okay, to already feel the emotional impact of that thought. It doesn't take long for the thought to start impacting you. And to say, I don't like the emotion that comes with that thought, so I'm not going to stay in that thought. I'm going to let the thought travel on. Because it will, because that's what it does. It, it only does if I hold on to it. 
and then to find, as a thought goes, what it tends to do is it takes the whole package with it. Well, the emotions go out of it, to go with it too, because it was that thought that was that was the base of it all. Once you start to do this, it's very, very counterintuitive, again, because we are so respectful of, of, of the thoughts that we have. If I feel it, it's a fact, right? We're so respectful of the thinking that comes into our head, we don't even feel that we have the right to not engage in a conversation with the thought that comes into my own head. But really, if I, I was thinking about it, like I, I, I completed the conversation, I had been thinking, I've just been thinking about it today. Yeah, but you're miserable. Of course you're miserable, because you've been thinking about the thoughts that make you miserable. You don't have to. You don't have to. You don't. It, you didn't invite this thought in. It's coming in. It's like you know. It's 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 running riot around your your house, your your mind. It, it's not giving you any pleasure. It's it's giving you three hours worth of misery this afternoon. You know where it's taking you. You don't have to let it in. It's not welcome. Sounds like an exploit. <laughs> yeah, like many things. That's like anyway. Many many more things we would not tolerate in our vicinity than the thoughts in our own mind. We won't let you know get rid of the cockroaches. We'll get rid of the ex-boyfriends. We'll get rid of the dust. Got our thoughts can do what they want. Why? It's your mind. If you don't want it in there, then it in. Yeah. How do you let it go practically? Like, do you distract yourself? Is that like? No, I think what, the way that you let it go is by not engaging in it. Meaning, what, we, what tends to happen is a thought comes and it doesn't just sit. It it, cre it like something happens. I, I have another thought and another one. I have a whole conversation going on. I have to recognize that if you like, look at the thought as something, uh, as a character that you're having a conversation with. And, and 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 do what what Russell Crowe does in the movie. So I'm not, I'm not talking to you today. I'm not even I'm not even talking to you about why I'm not talking to you because that's talking. I, I'm just conversations <laughs> over. But what do you do then? Do you do you think about something else? You don't need to. Or? You don't need to because once you're not engaged in it, like I said, the nature of thought is to pass. It's only when you stop it that it doesn't, mm -hmm. and then a new thought will come. So you can like essentially because it's like obviously I'm sure it wouldn't work like right away, but you kind of train your mind to do you it. Tra you train yourself to not necessarily go with a thought just because it appears. I was driving to More an natural. interview. I was driving to an interview. Again, it's not a difficult habit. We just, it's just such a preposterous idea because we, we, just, we, just, we just think the thought, we think the thought's through to the end. It's just what we've always done. As little kids, we do that naturally. We never really thought to not, to not do that. Um, I, was, <laughs> I was driving to an interview once, and as I was driving to the interview, suddenly this thought comes along, okay? This thought's like, I don't know why you think you're interviewing for this job. I put you, the, the cheap. There's no way you're going to pass. You're not really qualified, you know. And I, I turned around, and I, I'm so happy nobody else was in the car that I, because it was it was quite embarrassing. But I just turned around and I just said, I don't have time for you today. <laughs> <laughs> now that was the end of the conversation. Okay, you don't have to do that. Um, but the truth is, again, what would have happened? What are you doing going to that interview? You're such a schnook. You're never going to get the job. Okay, what happens at that point? It doesn't go dead. I know, I shouldn't apply anyway, uh, there's no way I'm going to get it. Um, I'm continuing the conversation now. The thought came out of nowhere. I'm involved in the conversation. By the time I finished, I turn around from the interview because I've convinced myself because I've spoken about it. What if I do nothing at all? Oh, look, there's that thought that says, you have a cheek going to... There it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, it's gone. What does it do? It doesn't stick. It's not a person. It doesn't like. It doesn't like wave. It's, it, it was a thought. If I didn't hold it, it's not there anymore. It pa awesome. They pass. They pass. And then in comes another thought. What do you mean? You have as much right as anybody else to a job. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, then comes another thought. You're gonna get that job. Okay, you are invited in. It's. It's. I'm, it sounds like I'm oversimplifying. It's only. It's only more simple than than you imagine because you don't try it. Try it. 
Next time a thought comes, and you know where it's taking you. Now, let me, let me make this clear. You do not have to pick the most traumatic thought that you've ever had to practice on. Okay, that's, that's never a good idea. Okay? A thought that comes your way that is, that is pulling you down and you don't want it, see what happens when you don't engage in it. You, you, you try keeping onto a thought that you're not holding onto. Okay? It's, that, it's just not there anymore. And because we have so many thoughts, a new thought will come. Yes. It, they're sometimes so tempting, though, to, to go oh, with it. They, they make themselves feel like it's so true. That's yeah. the truth. But really, yeah. I think at the end of the day, it's not. But for some reason, it has such a power. It does. That's right. So That's it's, right. But you have a break to power. Yeah. And you have to make your commitment to your own sense of well-being higher than your commitment to a straight thought that happens to come your way. Which is, which is, by the way, a frugal choice. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm choosing to stay in a healthy place because those unhealthy thoughts are not ones that I choose to engage in. Yeah, it's like you wouldn't want to wear like ripped up, like tattered and dirty clothes, but then I let that happen That's in my mind. Right. That's right. And it's fine that it happens to you. Those are that you're responsible for is what you do with it. That's, by the way, the rule of fantasy also. If, a, if, a, if, a, if an inappropriate, fantastic thought comes into you, you're not responsible for that. You're responsible for what you do with it then. Okay? I'm really going to do something terrible. I'm going to give you homework. <laughs> Try it. Could you seriously just clap that <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing our homework for two years. <laughs> you have to try this. You, ha you have to try. You have to find yourself thinking... I cannot believe I'm free of where that thought normally takes me because I didn't give it power. It's like, it, it, I don't know, it's, um, it's this amazing sensation of like, it didn't have to take me there. And it didn't take me there because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't allow it. Because this is, a, this is the thing, you're the one fueling the thought that stays. It's not fueling itself. You're the one giving it strength by having a conversation with it. It doesn't have any strength by itself. It's just a thought. And there's millions of them. So if you get stuck in one, it's not stuck to you. You're holding it. You don't have to unhold it. You have to not hold it. You have to recognize I'm, I'm, I'm holding it. And if I don't, if I make that free will decision to not, it doesn't have any power. I take the power away. But how come we're sometimes like so comfortable holding on to like a thought that makes us feel bad? That's such a great question. I think we do this in life in general. We get such a kick out of think about it. Let, let me let me throw a scenario over you. What what do you get from being sulky and moody? Not that you ever are, but let's say. <laughs> what do you get? You must feel something like instead of doing nothing probably. Yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of things that we get back from, from bad thinking, okay? Um, if we're feeling sick, very often we feel sorry for ourselves, and, and that's a good feeling. Um, if we feel that we've been wronged, we often feel like we are the higher moral, higher moral ground. Okay? Yeah. If we feel that's right. If superior, exactly. If we feel 
um, moody, um, that we often feel that that's going to get us attention. And, and parents are really part of the problem for this. You know, I, I learned when I walked into a room and saw one child crying, not immediately saying, oh, what happened? What's the matter? What are you teaching, teaching your child? Crying is going to get mommy to love you. Okay, you're going to create a very moody adult. Okay? What I now do, and it's a little bit counterintuitive, is to say, okay, two kids, one's crying. They were probably both involved. What happened? This is what happened. He stole her doll, so <laughs> she pinched him. Okay, no. So, so now he's crying. The fact that you're crying doesn't mean that you that you weren't in, you weren't in the right. It just means that you were the one who got hurt worse <laughs> in the end. But maybe you punched him, and then and you and you were brave and strong, and she cried because you like I don't know pulled her hair, and now she's crying. That doesn't make you right. So now the child's learning. Even if you do something wrong, all you have to do is turn into a victim, and then mommy loves you and you get out of trouble. Mm -hmm. So, of course, that, that, that's the person who's going to cry throughout their life every time they can't cope with anything because they need to solicit all this wonderful attention as if they haven't done anything wrong. It's a fantastic, fantastic, uh, you know, defense it. mechanism. What? Because you're feeding into it. Yeah. So as parents, when you become parents, you know, you, you have to ask some question. Am I encouraging a behavior that's going to be bad for my child? Most kids get attention when they're miserable. So if you give your children attention when they're miserable, you'll have miserable adults. And we get something back from that. So there's always something that we get back from our misery. If we, if we feel that what we get back is worth it, we'll, we'll make ourselves miserable. We're, we're, it, it, but the, here's the irony. You understand that you're, you're still motivated by pleasure. Meaning, it's going to make me happier to be miserable because then I'm going to get attention. So my, 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 my pleasure motivation will make me miserable. If, if, if it just made you feel miserable and there was no gains to it, you wouldn't do it. So we want to teach ourselves to, be, to, to recognize that I could get my husband's attention by always getting upset with him because he throws darts at me. Or I can recognize that if I'm in a good place with him and we have a beautiful relationship, um, maybe that's a change of habit for me because maybe I only get attention when I'm, when I'm upset. But if, if I'm getting his attention because he wants to be with me because I'm a happy, healthy person, then that's going to bring me more pleasure. That's a habit change. Most women um, find a tremendous amount of comfort in being miserable mm -hmm. because we do. We have this association with, again, attention, victimization, uh, you know, support, all those things. But at the end of the day, you still feel miserable. Yeah, yes, that's right. That's something. When, when, when I start to realize that I, I get more attention from my husband because he wants to be around me when I'm happy and fun to be with, mm -hmm. and that's actually a great pleasure, then I can start training myself to. <laughs> To head in the direction of you know happy attention rather than miserable attention. Yeah, yeah. Does it become easier the more you do it? Yes, because it's it's uh, absolutely. This is what happens. The first time you do it, it is totally counterintuitive. But I'm gonna let go of the thought in the middle. Are you serious? Like I'm in the middle of a thought like here. Like I can't just let go of it. And then you and then you have like the the, the funny surprise of like oh I'm actually okay because I didn't go into that bad place that I normally go to. Okay. As you get used to it, and you again, you get used to realizing that the more I do this, the more I take myself into a wonderful emotional pace rather than a miserable emotional pace, the, the more it becomes second act and the same language. You, you ever drove a car? You ever drove a car? Yeah, you remember the beginning when you're paying attention to this and that, and you know, and, and before you know it, you can have a conversation, listen to the radio because you, you've learned how to do this. You're navigating your own mind. And then the, more, the more it becomes a sweet thing. Wow, I'm in a calm place. I let go. Again, it's not just miserable thoughts. It's stress thoughts. It's anxiety. It's all that stuff. The more I let go of it, the, the more I like this new place that I'm in. 
where I'm actually not allowing these thoughts that are revving me up to, to be here. I'm actually enjoying the fact that the only, the only thinking that I'm, I'm allowing in is the thinking that's going to take me to a place that, that makes me feel good. <laughs> the, the, you know, the more you do it, the, the easier it becomes for sure. And it's, it's, worth, it's always worth pursuing a good habit change. <laughs> I have to do that with my comparing. Yes, always comparisons all the time. <laughs> I, I think most women, when we look in a mirror, we do not see our reflection. We see, we kind of will ourselves to be looking somewhat different, and we see the shortfall. I didn't see like my hips. I see how much bigger my hips are than I really want them to be. Okay, and I don't see my thighs. I see how much shorter. I, it's kind of like this, like, if I stare hard enough, maybe it will change. You know? <laughs> maybe it it's quite an amazing thing to look in the mirror and just say, oh, that's beautiful. I, I, um, I'm accepting what I see. You know? And when I find myself like, yes, but she's more, and then I'm like, oh, that's one of those thoughts. <laughs> They, 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 they don't have a, a, a will of their own. They're just thoughts. They pass. Okay. Adina, you recommend it? Definitely. Okay, good. All right. Um, I think the evening is uh, rolling on, so um, I'll leave you with that. You'll, um, you'll email me if, you, if you're interested in, uh, in discussing it more. Ivanacallan.gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And, uh, and have a wonderful week. Thank you. Yeah, I'm coming. Thanks.